0: Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown, and through adaptable problem-solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. No days off! No days off! No days off! No days off! This is the Off Day Podcast. Give me a chest bump! With Andy Hart.
1: All right. Good to be with you. All right.
0: See this microphone week. put up a little less fight than the one last night. <laughs> and Ryan Hannibal. What's your name again? <laughs> Hannibal. Hannibal, Hannibal. Hannibal. Oh. Mr. Dot Commer on WEI.com.
1: Following the second uh, mini camp session, Andy was there today. I was there, or not today. Andy was there on Tuesday. I was there on Monday. Thank you. Um, so we'll just review those couple of days and then get into some bigger picture discussions. So I guess to start off. You, you said it on Gresham uh, Keith. Today was a day Mac Jones uh, took the Patriots quarterback position and he's the starter. Uh,
0: yeah, I don't love to be overreactionary, but but eh, I just got to be who I am. And that's, there was the segment in the middle of practice, seven on a set, seven, 11 on 11, where Cam still took the initial reps. I think it was two reps and seven on seven, three reps and 11 on 11. And then it was four reps and seven on seven for Mac Jones. And I think Eight reps in eleven on eleven, if I remember my notes correctly. And forget the reps, and you know, Mac haters are going to say, "Oh, didn't didn't I read that he threw two interceptions?" Yep, he threw two interceptions. Very nice athletic plays by Dante Hightower and Kyle Vanoy, one on a tipped ball. But the biggest thing for me that's starting to settle in: it looks better when Mac runs the offense. It just looks like more of a normal offense. Yeah, yeah, just normal efficient. He drops back. He gets the ball out on time, which to me is even more sort of obvious in these sessions because you don't have to get the ball out on time because nobody's going to hit you. There's not going to be a, you know what I mean? Like, so you can hold the ball like Cam Newton does, or you can have the pump and the delay and look for the third option. But Mac, I don't know. I just, I now have the feeling. I don't want to go so far as to say the job is his to lose. But I really feel like if he just undergoes sort of a normal workman-like progression between now and then into July, August, September, I think it's his job to lose. I really do.
1: I mean, obviously, things are going to get different and harder between now and training camp when the pads come on preseason another opponent, you can get hit. So I think that's – like, I think Mac Jones has cleared the first hurdle to becoming the starter – and then he has to clear the next one of, you know, getting through a Patriots practice with Pats, then getting through a preseason game with opponents being able to hit him. So I think, you're like you said, you can't say he's the starter right now, but he's doing everything that he needs to do to be the starter come week one. And Cam Newton hasn't done anything to, to show that he's made a huge jump from last year and it was the weapons were the problem or the mechanics were the problem. Like it's – Cam Newton kind of is what he was last year, and that really hasn't changed over
0: the offseason. And there was a universal reaction after the little portion of time I just talked about, the 7-on-7 a to 11-on-11. That finishes, Cam with his head down, just sort of slowly walking to the other field. The energy was gone. It was a little bit like the emotional reaction we saw from him when he suffered the hand injury, whatever that was, two weeks ago now in OTAs. And it just like deflated him. Well, today he wasn't hurt. I think he was just sort of resigned to the fact that not only am I in a dogfight, I'm not the court. I might be losing the dog fight. I might yeah. be falling behind. And we know, I mean, that's his history. He wears his emotions on his sleeve, The the bench sitting with the towel over his head from his days in Carolina. And you know, the idea that, yeah, he's a, He's a a centerpiece emotional figure, but sometimes that's bad because the emotions go bad, losing frustrations. And now I will say I thought he did a pretty good job because he spoke to reporters after this practice, not being super. well after the practice. Yes. After he showered and did whatever. Yes. Well after. And he maybe needed a cooling down period to make sure he wasn't, you know, as I used to call Tom Brady, sulky McSulk, sulk, um, that he wasn't that. But. I wonder if, because remember, we've talked about this. He was really self aware last year. Like, you keep playing like this, and that benching is going to be permanent. And some of those phrases, I think he's starting to look at what he is, what the results are, even just in, you know, shorts and t shirts, sees the young kid. He sees that what Bill probably sees that Mac Jones is not overwhelmed, is not like, falling way behind and oh my god this is the nfl and i can't do i think there's a reality setting in and i think the reality is which i've been rooting for but now i've always wanted mac jones to have a shot to start on opening day i now feel like that it's a very realistic possibility
1: yeah and we can get into this a future podcast this was actually discussion at uh, practice when i was there on monday like would bill wait until after the brady game to start mac jones just because of the hype and all that and you know we'll talk about that well, to all summer really, because that's going to be a big topic. But I'm sort of with you. Like, if he, if Mac's ready to start week one, why not? Like, it's what, what do you, what do you have to lose? And and I, what what gain does it have to give him an extra four weeks and have Cam Newton out there for the first four games when he hasn't give you the best chance to win? If you see in practice that Mac chose is clearly the better quarterback, throw him out there.
0: And that would be my biggest point is if he gives you a better chance to win. Forget the Brady thing and some theater or you want to avoid pressure, whatever the dolphins should be a beatable team. So if you don't put your best quarterback, what you think is your best quarterback out there. Well, and I go, Oh, and what? Like I'm already fighting an uphill battle. I'm like, mm-hmm. I've already sort of cut my team off at the knees. Forget the Brady game. I want to go into the Brady game with a two and one record, not a Oh and three or a one and two only. So what? So I can, you know, kid gloves, gloves, Mac Jones like keep him in bubble wrap or protect screw that if you want to play some game there then I don't know fake a hamstring injury in week four if you want to throw Cam Newton out there I I don't even know like to me Mac Jones is showing early on again it's early on but just what you would think he should be showing as NFL ready Saban system and the other thing that has I, I keep reacting to Is oh you know he's throwing a lot of check downs and underneath throw, you know what do you think he's going to throw when he gets on the game field? Um, that's what Tom Brady's been throwing for twenty years. There's there's reasons you hit guys like Julian Edelman, James White, and Kevin Falk and West, right? I mean, like right. That's been Patriots offense more often than not for twenty years. Josh McDaniels has been running that offense more often than not for twenty years. Then you mix in a good offensive line, a good run game, a good defense. That would be called playing to your strengths and being smart, checking down and taking advantage of those weapons. So Yeah, just think about the watching pictures games in the last 20
1: years. How many times did they, like, sure, they threw the ball down the field a little bit, but on average, the majority
0: of the throws were probably less than 10 yards, correct? Correct, and I'm not saying that in a negative light at all. No, no. Many times when they were doing that, they were like, a top five offense or Um,
1: we're we're saying as that's been been seen as a knock on these quarterbacks at young quarterbacks with these spring practices and even
0: training camp to an extent but reality is that's what their offense is that's what you're going to do in september and it's also what their talent is okay i bet you if you give mac jones randy moss he'll throw deep a little more often right right just like brady did when he would throw into double and triple coverage and moss would go up and i don't know if you've ever watched espn there's a whole segment called getting mossed like, when you have Moss, the ability to get Mossed on the defense, you do that. Otherwise, play smart football, manage your weapons, because we don't need to go negative. We can talk about a lot of other – but Nelson Aguilar, underwhelming at best.
1: Yeah. Okay. I, I kind of – we were talking about Monday, um, who could be the biggest bust of – it's Nelson Aguilar, I heard you. Um, it could be <laughs> who's the biggest – like, who could be the biggest bust of the free agent signings, this big big spending of the offseason? season? Aguilar was at the top of the list for a couple of people.
0: Yeah, he – and I just – even today, he tried to get deep a number of times and either didn't because Jalen Mills had him blanketed or somebody else had him blanketed or didn't make the catch. or There's just an inconsistency to his game that I don't – and this goes back to Philly. They Like, he didn't catch the ball well in Philly um that's another as we get into the summer and start to talk about you know questions and debates maybe even on the website or in the podcast Mm -hmm. and really issues the the wide receiver position to me is really interesting from a lot of different angles um I still think Jacoby Myers is the best receiver on the team and and until I'm I, I saw the same thing till proven otherwise I'll take Jacoby Myers in any match. It's not like
1: he makes these like wild catches or like oh. wild plays. He's just the consistent makes the plays is where he's supposed to be. He's running the right routes, making their catches, like no drops. Like, and he just does what he has to do. And
0: I'm down on Aguilar. <laughs> I said it to Mike Giardi today. I think Kendrick Bourne sneaky stinks and it might not be sneaky. A lot like, of drops again, more drops. Like he doesn't help the quarterback. He doesn't see like lines up wrong or seems to be on the wrong page. now. That can evolve over the course of the summer. Um, Jesus. And hope it's not an emergency. Um, that of can evolve over the course of the summer. I mean, we even have this whole gunner train that he's going to be the next Edelman kind of thing, which I'm like, pump the brakes. But I think part of the reason that door gets even open to conversation is- Nobody else. Yeah, there's nobody else. So it's, and I mean, the name we haven't even touched on yet is obviously Nikhil Harry. He was back out there. And then I actually missed it. So I didn't write it on WEEI.com. But apparently late in practice, he even grabbed his calf. Um, which is falls in line with it's always something say, be powerful, the
1: course, because I he had a good, I mean, I'm not gonna good, but I guess good for his standards
0: Monday, and it seemed like again on Tuesday, and then just gets hurt. So then it's like, yeah, it's, like it's, it's always something, and I'm i I'm still going down the road with him of. August trade, garbage for garbage trade, bust for bust. I'm still throwing out there the Marcus Davenport. If you can get Marcus Davenport in exchange for Nikhil Harry, I call that a win.
1: Uh, from, I, I'm putting you on the spot, but from what you've seen and observed and read and, and all that, what's
0: your wide receiver depth chart right now? Wide receiver Jacoby Myers. Yep. And ooh, how about just Jacoby Myers? And we go three tight ends with Devin Asiasi. I actually think Devin Asiasi's had a decent summer. Second that spring. Um, And then uh, we'll go with a running back, James White. So I'll go James White, Jacoby Myers, and three tight ends.
1: I mean, they're probably, they're obviously in a lineup with multiple tight end sets. You don't need three receivers on the field, but like who is that second
0: receiver right now? Uh, probably Aguilar because yeah. I also think it forces defenses to just respect his yards per catch from a year ago, his Yeah, speed. these
1: defenses don't see what he's doing in practice and what he's doing, you know.
0: Right, right. the start of the season, but yes. And Jacoby Myers, for his strengths, is not that guy, is not a big play speed guy. So I just think even the skill set, and if you can live off of Aguilar's reputation, maybe even early in the year, depending on where it goes from there. So I, w- I would say Aguilar, and then I don't know from there. I- I'm not... Again, I'm thoroughly underimpressed by Kendrick Bourne. I just I don't see it.
1: Has Zuber do anything for you today? He had a good week, what was it two weeks ago, last week, but
0: he was a kind of a no-show. Yeah no, he didn't. Um, both he and Wilkerson had chances to make plays that they yeah, didn't Wilkerson really struggled on Monday. But Wilkerson's the one. Is he the one that's absolutely jacked? Yes. Like, okay. Boy, does he look the part. When you looks. put him and Nikhil Harry out there and you look like you got well, good. I would say Harry looks pretty good. Like he... Oh, yeah. Oh, no, he's still on the the bus team. Like, I want him getting off the bus first. But when we actually walk from the bus to the field, he goes to the back of the line, not the front of the line. He still looks good. Um, but, no, there was actually – there was a nice deep ball from Mac Jones today to Wilkerson I, I, one or the other dropped it right in their hands. There was a D there, but it was like a bucket ball. It was perfectly placed. I'm not sure those guys have the ability to really make plays and, and, but they're going to have a chance because there was, uh, there was a tryout guy there again, apparently for the second day, 87. Um, he can keep trying, but he's not very good. He, um, the routes are not good. The hands are not good. Um, so I, there's not a lot there.
1: Would you be shocked if they went out and added a veteran wide receiver between now and training camp, kind of like the Cam Newton timeframe, whether it's – I don't say it has to be Golden Tate, but somebody like Golden Tate? Uh,
0: no, I, I would not be surprised. And Like Bill they also, just realizes,
1: like, and Josh, like, we need somebody.
0: And and needs somebody you can rely on. It could even be a case of like a, a Reggie Wayne, where they bring somebody in hoping the veteran still has it and then even realizing later he doesn't have it and maybe he doesn't even stick. But yes, I think the, the receiver position will be a need position work in progress, even into the regular season. Like, I don't know, towards the trade deadline or I don't know if the, I haven't really done the research, but sometimes there are these like free agents who are injured. So nobody wants it. like Rex Burkhead, the, the Rex Burkhead of wide receivers. If he's available and you can sign him in October and he's rehabbing and but he's an option like I think they'll be on the lookout for for people at that position for a while.
1: All right, let's get into Stefan Gilmore. Wasn't there for a second straight day. You can call it a holdout, whatever you want to call it. He's not out there. Bill didn't really want to discuss it today. He said, we'll talk about the players that are there. Doesn't expect him to be there. Uh, what do you make of
0: the whole situation? Well, first of all, it is a holdout. He's under contract. It's a mandatory camp, and he's not here. And it's been reported rather definitively that he's not here because of his contract. Not. Right. The, or not a rehab from the quad or an excuse or a like a or Excused. Yeah. I mean, I guess the weather was an issue potentially for him on Monday, Bill said the first day. Like, I don't know. I don't know. That's I don't know what they might do. Well, I told you my conspiracy theory, and we should say so. Bill Belichick opened his first day Monday Zoom call saying, you know, I've had some weather, and I'm not even really sure who's here and who's not We're here. Hectic morning, some pieces yeah. doing,
1: like very unpatriot-like.
0: I my gut was like i wonder if they're talking to gilmore and bill's being vague cuz he's not sure was the offer accepted did the were we able to get that done could he arrive late today could he arrive tomorrow kind of thing and then it became clear that he wasn't all the reports garofolo giardi everybody he's not coming he's not going to do it he wants money and that it didn't come to fruition and that's why bill then said well we don't expect him here cuz ah he didn't accept but to boil it all down, I still think there's a good chance he plays for the Patriots this year. Oh,
1: I do too. And even, uh, I don't know if you got a chance to listen, Devin McCourty basically talked like he's planning on having Stefan Gilmore on the defense this year. Said, like, he's been around, he said, I better get around the game a long time. I know these things work themselves out. Like, we're still talking to Steph. He's still part of this team. He's still under
0: contract. Like, he'll, he'll be here. And I feel like that fuels my theory that, okay, so I'm talking to Steph, I'm a player, I'm talking to Steph. And he's like, well, you know, they made me an offer, but we're not really at my number yet. So they know the offers are going to go back and forth. And right after practice, I did a, a hit with Gresh and Keefe. And I said, I feel like this is one of those negotiations where both sides can probably understand the other side's viewpoint. And when you have that understanding, like you're starting from a place where you can negotiate and I think Bill Belichick probably believes Stefan Gilmore is worth more than $7 million this year. I should hope so. Right. And so he can understand, but Steph Gilmore also probably understands from a Patriots perspective. Well, I did sign this contract for a lot of money when I joined the Patriots. That's a big money deal. They've worked with me. They gave me the little bump last year. And I just don't feel like this is one of those, you know, you know, you know what measuring contest where both sides are digging their heels in and there's no like the the Aaron Rodgers let's just say Packers Aaron Rodgers I don't think they're on the same page. I think there's emotions in there. This I think is a pure numbers thing. And if you have a pure numbers thing, I think almost like baseball arbitration, Stefan Gilmore goes, "Listen. I have the whatever. My salary ranks X at $7 million. It's the uh, 25th, I think. Well, I think that's total cash this year." yeah salary he's like top 10 but 14 million is the top so he goes listen this guy's making 14 million i understand i'm a little older i understand i have an injury but don't tell me he's seven million dollars better than me this year and the patriots go you're right but you do have so how about we give you three more million guaranteed plus another three million if you play 80 percent snaps Mm. and blah, blah blah and then all of a sudden he's got the chance to earn six or seven million dollars if he has a great year and earns that Mm -hmm. he's making 13 or 14 million dollars this year so and they have 15 million dollars in cap space so they can give him that six or seven million still have their cost of doing business you know slush fund of eight or nine million dollars so at this point it and if they think they're going to be a competitive football team and if they're as bullish to steal that Jeremy Fowler word on Bill Belichick is bullish on Cam Newton as his quarterback, less bullish today, by the way, less reps for Cam. So Jeremy Fowler, that bullishness may be fading. Um, but if they're bullish on their defense, like I am, well, you want your number one corner there because there
1: are much, we've talked about it. JC Jackson's not a number one cornerback. So right. you'd, you'd be exposed in that area. And then just the, Jalen mills gets bumped up and like you don't have much depth behind that so it just negatively affects the answer your your defense that is being looked at as like a top five defense is
0: now probably maybe middle of the pack closer to the middle of the pack right and if you think you're a playoff contender let's just say well okay so i don't think i'm uh the the chiefs i'm not competing with the chiefs offensively and stefan gilmore is not going to put me over the top i'm sudden, but let's just say, okay, you're competing with the Titans, the the Dolphins. Like, well, Stefan Gilmore and your defense being at its best could elevate you past those teams. And then I would even argue that some of the more talented teams like the, the Bills, for example, let's just say you get into a, a playoff game against the Bills or the Browns. You're going to tell me a Bill Belichick defense one game plan against Josh Allen or against Baker Mayfield with all the tools he has that his, I just think that could be the difference between you advancing an extra round in the playoffs or mm-hmm. whatever. So I think there's some motivation for the Patriots to get this done. And I think there's some motivation for Gilmore to say, Oh, okay. You're going to tack on $6 million, even though I'm getting older, it's going to be harder and harder to get a big deal. I'll rejoin my brothers, you know, Adrian Phillips yesterday, brother, Devin mm-hmm. McCourty talking about, you know, there's, they still support him. I'll rejoin my brothers, quote unquote. And oh, by the way, you're paying me what I think my value is for this year. And then I'll move forward wherever that goes. So what
1: does your gut say that when it gets worked out? Is it a just a bum for this year or is it a multi-year extension?
0: Uh, not a multi-year extension, I'm either with a fake saying. extension so they can divvy up some guaranteed money if they want into next year's cap. Or just like I said, you know, $3 million bump and $3 million in incentives. And I just think that there
1: he's, he's going to be 31 in September. The Patriots look at, you have come off an injury. We don't know exactly what you are. You're getting older. They still have JC Jackson, who I think they probably know is not number one, but they don't know for sure yet. So I think buying themselves another year before they fully commit to Gilmore is the way they would like to go to. And Gilmore can look at it too. If he has a great year, he could, you know, have more value, next offseason as a free agent, maybe get more money from the Patriots if they want.
0: And there's no saying he can't go down sort of the Darrell Revis short-term road, you know, mercenary. Okay, I mean, Jalen Ramsey was recruiting him Mm -hmm. to the Rams. Okay, maybe next year and the Rams still want him and they can pay him and you can go, you can pick your contender that feels like they're one cornerback away from, Mm -hmm. from getting over the top. And from a Patriots perspective, if you do it sort of year to year or this year, well, then you open up that cap figure from Gilmore Maybe you pursue whoever you deem to be your next younger number one corner, right I mean, I know people are starting to pose the idea, um Xavier Howard's holding out in Miami. Could he be an option, trade or whatever? um but then you can start to look, you know, reset that clock back to a twenty seven year old corner or twenty six year old for the next three, four, five years. So I think there's a lot of reasons to believe it makes sense for both sides
1: uh, from the from what you saw today.
0: Any what what other things stood out besides the quarterbacks and receivers? Um, the the defense, like I said, the front seven, the interceptions. For, I mean, you had the interceptions today were Duggar, Hightower, and Vanoy. Like again, versatile big athletes. And shortly after Hightower had the interception, he has a sack off the edge. I mean, with Duggar's growth, what I think he can be, and Vanoy and Hightower returning, that right there is a significant elevation in talent and and ability on your defense. And I think you you saw snippets um, of that today. Uh, The other thing, we talk about Gunner. He actually had a good practice. He caught a number of deep crossers, made some plays, was absolutely gassed at the end of practice, down on one knee um, when everybody was – he caught the final pass of the practice, and he, like, dropped to his knees while the rest of the team was running towards the conditioning hill. Um, So his conditioning is – not quite where it wants to be um and he actually took an interesting because we've talked a little bit about jacoby myers taking a a growth role not just playing time but like being a leader the first guy through the reps and yeah and um there was one play today where mac jones broke the huddle and there was definite confusion you know what the formation was what they were and gunner hey yelled at him and like they ended up having to go back to the huddle anyway the i think mcdaniels or whoever called for like huddle back up, let's go but i thought it was interesting for gunner on offense to take sort of a vocal role and kind of yell at mac so i'm intrigued to see what gunner can be what maybe gunner thinks he can be what opportunity because he admitted that he basically was you know edelman's shadow or edelman's whatever now edelman's gone um So that intrigues me a little bit. Um, Sony Michelle, he's out there, but I'm thoroughly unimpressed with him too. Like the team's not thrilled
1: with him missing the last whatever it was, and then being in commercials. And
0: And he, yeah, he's rapping in freaking car commercials and skipping OTAs, and he's on Instagram with all his merch and his souped-up golf carts and living the life. And you know who he reminds me of? Rocky. Remember when Rocky goes soft and he gets like the fancy car and the mansion and the, the, the butler robot mm. and like he loses his edge as Rocky? That's who Sony Michelle is. He's just like living the glamour life. But I'm not sure he actually wants to invest in what gets you the glamour life. This should be a make or break year for him. He should be on the field like- Contract year. Yeah. And it, like frothing at the mouth and every rep. And I just, I don't see it. Like the other day, what other day was that last week's OTA was like the first day Damian Harris was on the field, like fully, fully. And he was loud and energetic and like excitable. And I just, and I know, I guess that stuff doesn't really matter. I, was just like, don't, I don't
1: know if that's Sony's personality. So you don't want to hold it against him, but just from like a, how he's moving around, you can kind of just tell.
0: Like, look like you care, look like you, you do think this is make or break time for you. And I I'm, Maybe I'm reading too much into it, but I, I didn't get that. Um, John O. Smith. I was just going to bring up the tight ends. Yeah, John o. Smith did virtually nothing today. He had his jersey on, had his helmet, kind of caught a couple passes early in like nothing drills. Then was basically a ball boy for Nick Kaylee. Watched all the tight ends drills, caught the ball like back from them, tossed it to Kaylee. He did nothing. Um, and another guy who didn't do a lot, and um, Mike Reese kind of brought it to my attention, was Shaq Mason. Like he was out there in uniform and early, like early reps. He was with what you'd call the the top line that you'd expect it to be. But then he gave way to a lot of Ted Karras right guard reps. And that's probably not surprising because I think Bill probably figures right now, he basically has four starters for three spots on the interior line with on David Andrews, Shaq Mason and Ted Karras back. And we've seen Karras at center, at guard, consecutive reps, different days, blah, blah, blah. Um, but yeah, he took a lot of right guard reps for Shaq Mason today. Uh,
1: I guess it's a good time that Jonathan Smith is still out there. Like, cause realize realized that there's still value to the mental stuff. You're new. You weren't at
0: the OTAs Hunter Henry. How how is he? Did he show up? Hunter Henry was there. He was fine. He caught a lot of passes. I, I think Hunter Henry is very much going to live up to who Hunter Henry is. I don't know how that'll be received because I don't know what the expectations are going to be. It's a little bit like when they gave Danny Amendola his big $30 million contract. And then Danny Amendola did basically what he had done with the Rams, like battled some injuries, was good when he was on the field, showed some clutch ability, but didn't live up to his Wes Welker replacement 100 catch status. My guess is Hunter Henry, when I see him, he's athletic, he's talented, he's got good hands, he catches the ball. Do I think he's gronk? Nope. I think he's probably more like the guy that can catch 60 passes for 600 yards than the guy who's going to catch 85 or 90 passes for 1400 yards. Like I just, he, he feels like a, um, like when we talk about prospects, like, I don't know how high the ceiling is, but I think the floor is pretty high. I think Hunter Henry is just a good tight end. And I think you see that almost all the time when he's on the practice field, just he's athletic, good hands. Mm But the upside, and we've talked about this, the upside is more with Jonu Smith. The disappointing part is, okay, you chose to not take part in OTAs. Then you show up and I know the cliche reaction is, oh, and you're not even in shape. You pull a hammy on your first, but you're still missing reps in minicamp. Mm -hmm. We'll we'll see if that in any way hinders his development. But I think he's the exciting upside guy.
1: And I would say just as a whole of that position, like it's going to depend on if they win, like if they're winning games and those guys are doing what they've right. done in their past careers, they'll say, Oh, that's great. That's what you signed them for. But if they're losing and they're still doing that, we paid you this much money. You're supposed to be living up to that
0: and being better than that. So, right. and it, especially if they're, um, if they're close, if they're competitive, but they're kind of just coming up short and you say, well, they're kind of running the ball. Okay. The defense is playing pretty well. Mac or cam isn't making a lot of mistakes. <laughs> They just need a few more plays in the passing game. Well, that's where it should be coming from. That's where you invested your money in the passing game. So, yes, I, I it'll be interesting to see how that unfolds with results of the team affecting the perception of the results of those two players.
1: All right. So they have one more mini camp practice on Wednesday.
0: Yes. And then, and then uh, which, by the way, any hopes – I mean, I'm, I'm just going to make this prediction. I haven't checked any email. Any hopes you and other media members had or any players had of – oh you know we'll work really hard and they'll waive the final day of minicamp as phil perry put it to us bill could stand in front of the team and say well since you guys decided to take tuesday off we'll be practicing on wednesday because today was not a crisp um practice in terms of effort or execution they did not earn an early release for minicamp
1: so you'll be there again on wednesday so i think that we'll probably do a wrap-up podcast there this week kind of just Overarching thoughts from not only Wednesday, but just the spring in general. And I'm looking forward to training camp and battles and and all
0: that. So, expect another podcast later this week. And we can even talk about the Madden cover because I don't really understand when people see a video that has two goats in it and Peyton Hillis says they did it again. The first thing I thought of was Tom Brady and Rob Gronkowski, two former cover Madden guys who are goats. Everybody else in the world thinks it means Tom Brady and Patrick Mahomes. I'm sorry. I know Patrick Mahomes is great, but he's not a goat. And you really can't have two goats on one cover that play the same position because the word goat means greatest. The G is for great test. And if there's two great tests, then there isn't one great test. Okay, got to go.
1: I have one more to die. I want to get <laughs> off my chest. The whole uh, Belichick quote today that made the run rounds on Newton that he's further ahead than he was last year this time no shit he wasn't he wasn't on the team sorry for swearing but like of course he's ahead of where he was last year he wasn't on the freaking team he was still he was still throwing balls with his brother and cousin on the field like and like Adam Schefter was one that that quote that tweeted
0: it like what are we doing well factually it's true I guess but like come on like because last year he literally didn't even have a contract or a playbook or a Patriots logo
1: Right, I, mean, I just, that, that bothered me this morning because everybody aggregated it and, and tweeted oh, yeah. and like,
0: yeah. like come on. Uh, I agree with you 100%. And I would argue, not sure how much further along he actually is.
1: <laughs> All right, uh, we'll be back later this week with a, a big wrap of the spring and looking forward to training. Peace out.